Welcome to the Advent Houston podcast. At Advent, our mission is to embrace, embody, and extend the grace of Jesus Christ to the Texas Medical Center, Rice University, and the surrounding neighborhood. We're glad that you're here with us today. At Advent, we believe we believe and we offer that we often need to be reminded that we are a needy and sinful people. Um, that we're not folks who have it all together, that we need each other, that we need the Lord and we need his word. And so this evening, Jesus is going to remind us of just how needy we are with this passage, uh, with this passage from John chapter 10. And so um, as has been our practice, if you would, let's stand for the gospel reading um, and I will read it for us. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all, of, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. This is uh, the gospel, um, the gospel of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. Let me pray for, uh, for our time. Our God and Father, I do thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you um, that you are with us in all things. And I pray, Father, that as we preach, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hands and feet to do your will. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
Well, this is a, a fun experience for me because I actually was a, a guest preacher this morning um, at Bay Area Presbyterian, and um, they found out that we were beginning our first uh, service today, and so some of them came up uh, to be here. So they get to hear me preach twice on the same subject matter. Um, so that you, you should consider yourself so lucky. Um, but uh, kind of by way of introduction, um, a long time ago, my oldest daughter, Amelia, when we would go on road trips, decided to make up a game. Um, and, uh, and so this game was very simple, yet weirdly very fun. Um, and it was as you're going in the country and you see a lake, you say, lake. And if you were the first person to do so, you get a point, right? So we would do this all the time. Uh, and, and then my mother-in-law joined us for a drive one time between Houston and Austin. And as we were playing, she was like, well, I've got, I've got a game that we used to play as well. It's called cow walking. Okay. Well, anytime you see a cow walking, you yell cow walking and you get a point. Very similar concept. But see, my Alabama uh, mother-in-law had not really been around cows apart from just seeing them in between the Alabama pines. She didn't realize that cows walk all the time. Right? They walk all the time, but you can't see that if you're just driving on the highway in Alabama between the tall trees. And so in many ways, I feel like we approach this passage in much the same way that my mother-in-law approaches uh, cattle, right? We have no idea what, it to, what to think about sheep, about what to think about shepherds, right? There's not a ton of sheep walking around uh, Rice's campus or the medical center. We don't really uh, experience much of the agricultural uh, world that Jesus is preaching about here, right? And so... I haven't really been around sheep that much either, but in my pastoral ministry, I've at least read a decent amount about sheep, and I will say sheep are pretty similar to other animals with the exception of one particular thing. They are helpless, and they are stupid. Right? Um, in fact, they're so helpless that if a sheep were to fall just the right way, land on its back in just the right way, it would just lie there and die without any help. That's how helpless a sheep is. And so Jesus is calling us sheep, right? This is not a particularly self-esteem oriented metaphor, right? This isn't really a, a big pick-me-up, right? You are an animal that is helpless, that is dumb, that can't defend itself and wanders off without really any concept of what it means to be safe. By calling us sheep, Jesus is telling us that we need to face the very smelly truth about who we are. His metaphor flies in the face of what we think about ourselves. We don't want to believe that we're sheep. We want to believe right, that we, uh, we don't want to believe that we follow the crowds, that we're ignorant or defenseless. We want to believe that we're unique, or we want to believe that we're the trendsetters. Um, over COVID, I rem remember seeing... I don't know what I clicked on on Facebook, but somehow this advertisement kept coming up all the time. Um, and it was for like this t-shirt company and slogan uh, or like bumper stickers and t-shirts for not, or not sheep, but lions. That was like their whole thing. We're lions, not sheep. And I remember thinking and looking at that, be like, no, you're not. You are actually as dangerous of a, of a sheep as any of the rest of us because you don't recognize that you are a sheep. We are all sheep. Sociologist Damon Kintola 
A professor at the University of Pennsylvania wrote a book called Change. Um, It's about how beliefs and ideas spread in a particular culture. Um, And in in this book, he references a study that was done uh, of 800 oncologists um, and what exactly they would prescribe for treatment. And they found that over uh, the four-year period that they did this study in different parts of the country, that the treatment patterns uh, of the oncologists varied drastically. And they were trying to figure out exactly why. Okay, well, maybe it was because um, uh, the, the, uh, <clears throat> the, of the research about each particular treatment pattern. No, it wasn't that. Maybe it was based on what the cost of the treatment was, based on the area uh, that, that the, the patient was living in. No, it wasn't that. They found out that it was entirely based on what other doctors in the social network recommended. Right? And these are, these are the, the, some of the smartest doctors in their field. They are, uh, they are prescribing based upon what others have, have, have actually said in their world. Right? If several physicians in a particular group or network were giving a particular treatment, then pretty much every single physician in that area was doing the same. So if they would do it, we would do it. We are all sheep. But when we believe that we are independent, when we believe that we are lions and autonomous, that's where the real danger begins to occur. Sin makes us believe that we are those sorts of independent lions like prowling the tundra. But what happens if you're a sheep prowling the tundra by yourself? You end up on a nature documentary, right? Um, And not like the happy part, okay? We wander and we follow other wandering sheep. Isaiah 53 says that we are all like sheep who've gone astray. So we wander to and fro. We follow other sheep, even though they don't really know where they're going. Or perhaps we accidentally wander off all on our own. How true this is of us. Right, this, can be, this can happen to us in all sorts of different ways. It can be an innocuous way where maybe you sit and think, I have no idea how I actually ended up in my job. I, I just, it just sort of happened. I sort of wandered into it. Or maybe it can actually be more sinful and innocuous. In fact, it actually is where we think, I can't believe I got so angry at my roommate or I yelled again that way at my spouse or my child. I can't believe I spent hours mindlessly scrolling through my phone again. I can't believe I ended up back on that website even though I promised myself I wouldn't. I can't believe that I just spent the last five to ten minutes airing the dirty laundry of one of my friends, gossiping about them. In each of those situations, we we wander our own way, and oftentimes we don't really even know why. We can't believe that we do those sorts of things because we're so easily led astray. We're so easily led to the slaughter. And this foolish wandering makes us susceptible to, to bad leaders and to bad friends. Where we are led astray by the thieves and robbers that Jesus is talking about here in this passage. These are warnings that happen to us. The Bible continues to warn us over and over again not to follow the wrong teachers or the wrong leaders because we will over and over again. We're easily led by pastors and leaders with little moral character and incredible selfish ambition. We're led into false teachings. We're manipulated by whatever pundit we want to give our attention to or our affections to. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. So, all right, Taylor, I get it. Like, this is bad news. We're sheep. We're get, like, stop hitting me with it. Okay, you're right. That's the bad news. But Jesus here addresses what the good news is. Where do we turn? Right? If we're so easily led awry and we have a history of choosing the wrong leaders, what can we possibly do? Well, that's what's behind Jesus' metaphor this evening. First, he's saying that he is the door And secondly, he is the shepherd. So we're going to look at those two particular metaphors tonight. The door. Jesus here, in this whole passage, he's speaking to the Pharisees. And this is actually a part of a longer passage um, where he's going back and forth with these Pharisees. Um, If you were to read earlier in chapter 9, we would see that the Pharisees have, have cast out a blind man that Jesus actually healed on the Sabbath. And so it's a little ambiguous exactly what's going on there. Did the Pharisees cast them out of, of their presence? Or was this, uh, this blind man cast out of the synagogue? We're not entirely sure. Um, but there is sort of a hint that happens in chapter 9 where a detail is dropped by John. He says that if anyone confesses that Jesus to be the Christ, they will be cast out of the synagogue. So, Something is going on here. Something really dramatic is going on here. And Jesus is addressing these Pharisees. And he's saying here, I am a different kind of Messiah. I actually am the Christ. Right? And that's what we're going to see with both these metaphors. So John is explaining to the Pharisees, he's explaining that we, uh, that though they are... Um, that though the Pharisees have want, they want nothing to do with who Jesus is as the Christ, that he is still their, he, he is still their Messiah. He's still who he says that he, that, that he is. In essence, what's actually happening here is Jesus is saying, um, yes, though you may not feel like you are just like the Pharisees, though you may feel maybe even religiously superior as you read through kind of the bashing that, that happens uh, to the Pharisees again and again, you're not really that different. Right? The Pharisees wanted religion. They loved the Bible. They loved God. They just didn't want Jesus as their Lord. Right? That can be us. And so John is directly saying that to us. It's in this context that Jesus begins talking about thieves and robbers and shepherds. And it's into this context that he uses this strange metaphor of the door. He says in verse 2 that the one who enters through the door is the shepherd. But then he goes on in verse 7 when he's kind of explaining the earlier part of the passage. He says, I am the door. So which is it? Is he going through the door or is he the door? What's exactly going on here? Well, the Old Testament scholar, Sir George Adam Smith, traveled through Palestine in the early 1900s. And while he was, he was there, he, he was uh, uh, interviewing and, um, and researching what shepherds were like. And so he met one, sh- one particular shepherd, and during the conversation, uh, the shepherd showed him his fold. It had four nice walls with one small little opening. And Sir George asked the shepherd whether the opening was how the sheep got in, and the shepherd said, yes. And when they're in there, they're perfectly safe. And Sir George said, but there is no door. And the shepherd, unbeknownst, not knowing the passage, said, I am the door. 
He explained that when the light's gone and all the sheep are inside, he lies in the open space so no sheep can get out of the fold without going past him, without going through him. And vice versa, no wolf can get into the fold without going over him, without going through him. Now we have no way to know that that is exactly what Jesus is saying here, but we do know that shepherds did actually do the same things all the way back then. Jesus is saying here that there is no way for anything to go in or out without going through him. That means that thieves and robbers that he's addressing here, that want to go through the windows, they want to go through the other ways, they don't want to go through Christ. They may use Jesus for their own advantage to lure in the sheep. They may use the sheep, but they, they will not enter the fold through the door. So we need to be mindful. We need to pay attention to, to leaders. Are they using me? Are they using Jesus for their own sake? Or are they following Jesus? Are they on the path that he himself would take? But Jesus is also teaching us that although we have the ability to go astray, as the door, he both protects and he provides. Let's see how he is our protector. Once the sheep enter the sheepfold, no intruder can get in, right? And no sheep can escape without going through Jesus. So he's saying that when you enter the sheepfold, you are saved. You're saved from the dangers of yourself, from your instinct to wander. As you enter his fold, you cannot be led astray. Right? Though, though you may desire the wrong things, he will guard you. He will guard you from being led by them for too long. He is the shepherd who uses his spirit. He uses the church, the friends that he's put into your life and family to guard us from evil. So listen to him because he is protecting you in that way. And also he is saying that if you are a part of his flock, then you are safe. As you enter his fold, sin is no longer, sin is no longer the existential threat that it was or that it seemed before. As you enter the fold, the evil that you've done or that has been done to you by others, by the devil, and by, the de- by, by death itself cannot harm you any longer. Some of you may have grown up or participated in, in the more kind of charismatic aspect of the church. And in those contexts, sometimes you may have been taught that like, well, Christians are still those who need demons uh, to be exorcised from you. Or you may have been taught that you can fall away from the grace of Jesus. Well, Jesus is clear here. that If you are a part of his sheep and you are a part of his fold, then, then no demon can indwell you. You cannot fall away. For sin no longer indwells you the same way. The shepherd, or sorry, the door has you. It's protecting you. In Jesus, you are saved and you are safe. But how about about provision? In verse 10, Jesus says that his shepherd are, uh, that that his sheep are led into abundant life. We're not just talking about everlasting life here, right? The the, the life uh, that never never tastes death, which as a kid, like frightened me uh, dramatically. The idea of just everlasting life. No, he's talking about abundant life. He's talking about like the fatted calf life, right? The, the everything being good life. No sin, no sadness any longer. 
That's the kind of life that he's talking about. Here, Jesus promises a life that flourishes where nothing is held back, where we can't really even understand how wonderful it will be because we don't live in that world. This is a a world where cancer is gone, where you will have true community and no loneliness, where your fears and anxieties will be put to rest, where you can trust in Jesus when he says, to the Father, this is, this is your son, this is your daughter, and you can begin to believe that you are a part of God's family. That's the fullness that Jesus is leading us into, and that's what he pro- promises for his sheep because we see that he is our good shepherd. So let's look that, uh, at that really quickly. The sheep need a shepherd, right? Unlike cows uh, and cattle that can be driven from behind, or, uh, from behind, sheep need to be led in front. Um, and they typically are led in front. So a good shepherd is one who goes before the sheep, who clears out the dangers ahead of time. And so is that all, is that, all that Jesus is saying here, that he just like goes before us? Um, you may have noticed by me even asking the question, well, of course the answer is no, there's more here, right? Jesus is saying more. He's saying that he is the good shepherd, and in doing so, he is referencing Ezekiel 34, which was at the, in the front in the opening of your bulletins. You can look now or you can look later. Um, Ezekiel 34 is both a rebuke and a promise, It's a rebuke against the shepherds of Israel who have used the sheep for their own gain, who have fattened themselves while the sheep starve. And so God says in verse 11, he says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. And then in verse verse 23, it says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. So in this passage where the Lord is rebuking the religious shepherds of Israel, he seems to be saying two different things. Is God the shepherd? Or is this person coming from the line of David the shepherd? Is the Messiah the shepherd? Well, yet again, Jesus is saying something remarkable about himself. By saying that he is the good shepherd of Ezekiel 34, he is saying that he is both the promised Messiah, the king that was coming from the line of David, and God himself. Only in Christ does this passage make sense, right? It wasn't either God as shepherd or Messiah as shepherd. It was both God and Messiah as shepherd. Jesus, the God-man, is our shepherd. And again, Jesus says something amazing about himself. By using the word good here, he's actually saying something more than than just the generic word for good. It actually should be probably translated more like noble or worthy. He's the noble or worthy shepherd. Why? Well, first, because of the intimacy that he has with his sheep. His sheep know his voice. A shepherd would often stand outside of the flock and like make some sort of awesome call, and the sheep would hear it. They would know his voice, and they would and they would run out of the pen. I will I will spare you all uh, whatever that call would sound like. I'm sure uh, you can imagine. Um, Jesus, uh, the sheep know Jesus' voice, but he goes on from there. A good shepherd could stand outside of a pen, yes, and make that noise, but Jesus knows us by name. 
He knows his sheep by name. He knows you. He knows me. He knows the inside of our hearts, the longings that we have, the fears that we have. He calls you by name. It also says in verse 14 and 15 that the intimacy that that the sheep have with the shepherd is the same intimacy that God the Father has with God the Son. Right? That somehow, yes, distinct persons dwelling in unity together, that that is the same type of, of unity and that is the same type of intimacy that we have with Jesus. Distinct from our shepherd, but intimate and united to him nonetheless. But Jesus is also the good shepherd because he lays his life down for the sheep. When Jesus says that, he's, he's being more purposeful than the metaphor itself. Yes, a shepherd might be a good shepherd if, if in protecting his sheep, a lion were to come out of nowhere and he would fight off the lion, but in doing so, he himself would die, right? Um, well, that actually isn't that good for the sheep, uh, because now the sheep are, uh, are vulnerable. They're vulnerable to the next attack. So this isn't just about some sort of generic death that's, that's relatively good. No, Jesus here is foretelling his death very clearly. His death is not theoretical. It's not accidental. It's purposeful. It's so that a sheep like you and like me, who often believes that he's a lion, can be saved. It's so that my rebellious and sinful heart might be atoned for, that I might taste the forgiveness that is offered to me in Jesus Christ and, in his, and, and the everlasting and abundant life that he offers as well. That's the salvation that's given to you and to me by this sheep, by this shepherd who lays his life down. He dies for us and he tells us that we will have abundant life and yet he still says that we are to follow him. We are to follow him into that very death. So there's, there's one application I'm going to make from this before I close. And that's this, that one of the hard realities of life in the church is that we are to experience and learn of Jesus' goodness through one another. Right? From the shepherds uh, that come after Jesus. His sous shepherds, so to speak, right? The sh- his under shepherds. Um, that we are to be sacrificial and loving as well. The pastors and teachers and leaders of God's people are called to lay down our lives for the sheep as well. And by the way, that's not just for me. That's not just for those in vocational ministry. That's for you too. That's my prayer for us as Advent Houston. That we would not treat the church or treat others as a means by which to feed ourselves, to get fat and happy. All of us are called to be shepherds or sous shepherds in some capacity. Whether you're a pastor, a member, a visitor, a spouse, a parent, a friend, or a child. Right? Even you, Caroline and Amelia, even you guys are shepherds in some capacity. You lead others by your words and by your actions. You extend the grace of Jesus to others. And Jesus reminds us that our motivation cannot be selfish but rather we're the shepherd because we are in love with the good shepherd, right? So how do we think about this in light of the fact that we have not always had the best shepherds in the church? Well, 
Um, when I was in college, I was assigned to read two different books by Margaret Atwood. Um, y'all probably have heard of, of at least one because it was turned into a, a pretty popular TV show, The Handmaid's Tale. Um, I, I will say the book is far superior to the show. Um, so if you, if, if you like, the, like the show, okay. The book is awesome, comparatively. Um, the other is a book called Alias Grace, which is a really captivating murder mystery. Um, it's about an Irish immigrant girl named Grace who comes over with her, her drunken father and her even younger daughter from Ireland. They're incredibly poor, and their father, in order to, um, to kind of feed his, uh, his alcoholism, hires his, his children out as indentured servitudes um, and, and treats them incredibly poorly. Well, eventually, Grace gets older. She's able to leave and find work, and she begins to work on a, on a, a farm for a, a couple. Um, and somehow, at, at some point, the, the, uh, the husband begins to act a little bit more like her dad. And, and so the question of the murder mystery is, because sorry, Grace does it. Um, but you learn that pretty early. That, that's not in doubt. Grace, Grace murders uh, the couple. But the, the, the mystery is why. Right? Was, was she innocent in doing so because of the terrible actions that, that this couple did to her that provoked her terrible upbringing? Or was it because of just sort of cold blood, premeditated murder? Okay, so why do I give you this crazy, obscure reference, right? Um, uh, well, one, I want you all to know just how widely read I am by, uh, <laughs> no, um, uh, <laughs> by referencing a college book I read. Um, um, no, the, the reason that I bring that book up is that I think in many ways we can have similar experiences in the church. Okay, we've at some level had a traumatic or a big struggle in the church, whether it was from a pastor a leader, or a fellow member in the church. And we can respond in one or two ways. We can respond by either lashing out, or we can respond by being reclusive and not trusting Jesus with that hurt or with that pain. So as Advent seeks to do this, to embrace, embody, and extend the grace of Jesus Christ as his Sioux shepherds in this world, what are we to do? Well, I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to follow our good shepherd. And yes, I, in many ways, I want to stand up here and I want to promise you that I'm going to be different than every other pastor that you've had. But I'm, I'm a sheep, y'all. I'm a sheep who needs the good shepherd just as much. And so I want my first sermon here at Advent to be a reminder of that. I want you all to follow Jesus. I don't want you to follow me. Yes, follow us. Yes, the leadership of the church is to be followed, but let me say it with this caveat. Follow me as I follow Christ. Right? Paul says over and over again, he says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. He doesn't say indiscriminately follow me wherever and whenever. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So Advent Church, as we get going, and I promise I'll preach way shorter next time, um, follow me as I follow Christ. But ultimately, follow our good shepherd because in him is protection, is provision, and is abundant life. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we do thank you. We thank you for the grace that you give to us in Jesus Christ. I thank you for this church body. I thank you for the grace that you've bestowed on sinners like me. 
that though we often believe that we are lions, Lord, we, we're reminded that, yes, we're sheep, but you are a good shepherd. So I pray that we would turn our hearts to you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.